1 Samuel chapter 27. So David made a negative confession here. And if what these people are preaching today, David, David would have killed, been killed by Saul. If what they say is true, if you are what you say, that's what they say, right? If words have a creative force and words become a creative force and you can say it into existence and so on, then you've got God's divine fiat power and you've become as God. But David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Verse 1. What a negative confession, man. One day Saul's going to get me. Now, if what they teach is true, if what humanistic secularism teaches is true, then it should follow that one day Saul would have killed David. But that didn't happen. And don't let people lay a trip on you because you may have a negative personality and say negative things. Oh, that's going to happen to you. You shouldn't be saying that. That's just what's going to take place. Or, oh, now you've done it. You said it. <laughs> that's not true at all. There are a lot of negative people that <clears throat> have positive things happen to them in their life. And there's a lot of positive people that have a whole lot of negative things happen in their life. And the Bible says the sun shines on the just and the unjust alike, and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Matthew 5:45. So, it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to have problems in your life. And you're going to have good times in your life. And you can say negative things all day long. And you don't have to go around cringing and fearing, oh man, I said it, now it's going to happen. David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. And there's nothing better for me than I should speedily escape the land of the Philistines, and Saul will despair of seeking me in any more in the coast of Israel, and I'll escape out of his hand. So David arose, and he passed over with 600 men that were with him to Achish, the king of Gath. Verses 1 and 2. Now, Gath is one of the five major cities of the Philistines. It lies about 10 miles inland from Ashdod and Ashkelon. Ashdod and Ashkelon both being on the coast. And Gath made sort of a triangle about 10 miles inland from these two Philistine cities down in the southern part, about 50 kilometers or so from Beersheba, the city of Gath. Now, this time he comes to Achish again, and he is seeking actually political asylum, almost because Saul was after him. So Achish received David, and David said, look, I don't need to dwell in this city, but just give me a city around here, will you? I don't need to dwell in the royal city. So he gave him Ziklag, verse Five and six. So David then and his men began to invade areas around them. Now, although I admired David for a lot of things, 
I don't admire David for a lot of other things. I mean, this, I cannot really find any excuse, any real excuse for David's actions. I mean, he would go out and he would totally wipe out a city. He'd kill everybody so that there'd be no one to come back and tell people what was happening. And he was making excursions against these cities. And when Achish would see him, he'd say, well, where have you been? Where, where have you been building a road today? And he said, over against Judah, verse 10. And actually, he was wiping out a lot of these little Philistine villages and Canaanite villages and making out to King Achish that he was fighting against Judah. So he thought, oh boy, they're utterly, they're going to utterly hate David over in Judah now, verse 12. But he would kill everybody so there'd be no one to tell what he was doing. That is not at all right. It's not admirable either. And I don't have any excuses for David and his actions. The only thing I can think of at this point is that God can use men that aren't perfect. Thank God. David was far from perfect. And I think that many times we have some kind of a concept that only God and God only uses perfect people. But that's not so. Many times we disqualify ourselves from serving the Lord being used of God because we are conscious of our own imperfections. But God uses David, and that's always an encouragement to me. If God could use a guy like David, then, well, God can use a guy like me because I'm far from perfect. And he can also use a person like you <laughs> because I don't think you're so perfect either. <laughs> So it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare, chapter 28, to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, know assuredly that you shall go out to battle with me, you and your men. So David said to Achish, and you shall know what your servant can do. Achish said to David, therefore, I will make you the keeper of my head forever. In other words, in other words, he was sort of putting David over as his personal bodyguard. Now, Samuel was dead, and Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they pitched in Gilboa, verses 1 through 4. Now, Gilboa is up in the area just south of the Sea of Galilee. So the Philistines had really moved a long way against the Israelites. I mean, Gilboa is clear over, actually. On the one side of Gilboa, goes down to the Jordan River. So the Philistines had really taken a lot of territory at this point. And Saul was being boxed in to just a very small area. And there he was encamped in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, <laughs> he was afraid. And his heart greatly trembled. And Saul inquired of the Lord. But there was no answer, either by dreams, nor by the Urim, nor by the prophets. Verses 5 and 6. Now, God speaks to us in many different ways. I mean, God can speak to us by dreams. Now, I don't believe that I 
personally have ever had a dream that had any spiritual significance to it. But now that I'm getting to the age, as the scripture said, your old man shall dream dreams, maybe I'm going to someday start getting dreams with spiritual significance. Let me say this, though. To my own belief, I've never had a dream with any spiritual significance. It doesn't stop me, though, from realizing that I may someday have a dream that has spiritual significance, and I'm open to that. And just because I've never had it, I don't say, well, God doesn't speak to men through dreams anymore. I believe that God can still speak to people through dreams, and I'm open to dreaming if God wants to speak to me in a dream. I'm open to it. Man, I'd be thrilled and delighted to have God speak to me through a dream. God also speaks to people through visions. Now, I have not had visions in which God spoke to me, but God speaks to people through the prophets, and I've had God's word come to me through anointed brothers and sisters in Christ and that I can recognize as God's word to me. And the Old Testament also spoke through the Urim and the Thummim, which were a part of the priest's garments. They were kind of like a little pouch that he wore, and they and they say there was a black stone and a white stone in that little pouch. And the black stone was a no, and the white stone was a yes. And whether or not that's actually so, I don't know. But somehow God spoke through the Urim and the Thummim. Now, the word actually means lights and perfections. And it could be rather than stones, which we have become sort of a traditional thing, it could be that this thing would light up that the priest wore. And when God would say yes, this thing would light up. But God was not answering Saul's prayers here by any of these methods by which they were accustomed to God speaking to them. Now, I'm interested in God speaking to me, however. And God spoke to some of them through angels. But God has spoken, and God continues to speak to me constantly through his word. And this, I think, is the place where you learn to start knowing to hear the voice of God, getting into the word. It's so important that you're in the word, and God has that opportunity to speak to you through his word. But God wasn't answering the prayers of Saul. And God said to his servants, Find me a woman that has a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there's a woman that has a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went with two men, and they came to the woman at night. And he said, I pray you, divine unto me, by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up, whom I will name to you. And the woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done. He has cut off all those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Why are you laying a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by Jehovah, saying, As Jehovah lives, there shall be no punishment happen to you for this thing. Verses 7 through 10. Now, there, of course, is that weird mixture in Saul, right? I mean, here he's talking to a witch, but he's swearing by the Lord, 
by Jehovah that no evil will come to her if she goes ahead and practices her witchcraft and brings forth a spirit that he is desiring. As Jehovah lives, swearing by the Lord. There are a lot of people out there right now who are really mixed up in the whole spiritual life. Just a total confusion in spiritual things. I mean, using spiritual phraseology, you know, it's it's like planning to rob a bank and then having a prayer meeting before you do it. Hmm. Now, Lord, help us to pull off this, this bank robbery successfully. It's just really confusion, man. I mean, here he is engaged in this woman who is possessed by a demon. And actually, that's what it means. A familiar spirit means she was a demon-possessed woman and going to her for counsel and advice, bringing back a spirit. And then the woman said, whom shall I bring up to you? And he said, bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she screamed. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, don't be afraid. What did you see? And the woman said, I saw the gods ascending out of the earth. And he said to her, what form was he? And she said, he was like an old man covered up and his coverings with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, why have you disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and and God has departed from me, and he answers me no more, neither by the prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called you, that you may make known to me what I shall do. Then Samuel said, Why do you ask me, seeing the Lord is departed from you and has become your enemy? And the Lord has done to him as he spoke by me. For the Lord has taken the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, even to David. And because you obeyed not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore has the Lord done this thing unto you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. Oh, man, that would be a heavy thing to lay upon somebody, wouldn't it? And he'll deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Verses 11 through 19. Now, Did Samuel really come back? Did this witch actually bring back a spirit from the dead? I would like to say I see no reason at all for not believing the story, just as it is written. I always feel that the obvious interpretation is the correct interpretation. If you try to force another interpretation into the text, that, well, that actually the very fact that you're trying to force something means that it doesn't fit. Now, I don't understand this whole issue, but I am convinced that even as it is written, so it happened, and that somehow Samuel did come back, that it was indeed Samuel that talked with Saul, and the spirit of Samuel was brought back, and that it was a genuine experience 
of dealing with spirits that have departed and are in the other world. Now, it would seem that the witch herself was shocked because of what happened. I mean, she screamed when she saw Samuel. It it could be that she had been using, as these spirit mediums all often do, one particular demon spirit that gives them information. Now, there is a reality to the spirit world. There is a reality in spiritism. But you are warned by the Bible to stay away from that kind of stuff. That is, it isn't something that you should be dabbling with or in, but it is possible to contact spirit entities. But as a general rule, what a person is contacting is a demon that can disguise himself as different persons. Now, these demons, having lived in the various ages and being in the spirit realm, are able to observe many things then they're naturally able to tell you facts about your life and about the past that nobody else would ever know. And usually people are drawn into these kinds of things because the person is able to tell them names and to tell them experiences that they had as a child or that they had sometime during their life that is sort of locked up in their own heart. They've never told anybody else. And now the spirit has told me and revealed these things to me. And you get all excited and you think, oh, I'm actually contacting the spirit of my mother. Because that was something that only my mother and I knew. Hmm, not so. Demons knew it too. Thus, they are able to rehearse for you conversations that you had, experiences that you had, things that took place in your life. Lying spirits disguising themselves as one of your dead loved ones. There is reality to the demon spirits. And this woman, having a familiar spirit or a demon spirit, was able to consult the demon spirits. Now, <clears throat> there are people who dabble into this realm of spiritism. And some of them get spirit guides and they direct their writing or they direct their arts. And people get into all kinds of things using spirit guides. But they are demon spirits who disguise themselves as and say the spirit of a writer or of the past or something of this nature. Now, there is a real world of spirits. There is a real world of demon spirits. And there is a real world of the angelic spirits that are still obedient to God. But it is the world that we are warned not to dabble with, not to get involved with. The fact that they can hypnotize a person and put them in an age regression and take them back before their birth and then supposedly go back to their previous lives and get the names of Annie Murphy and the street she lived on and all that kind of stuff doesn't prove reincarnation at all. It only proves demons have been around for a long time and they can use all kinds of disguises in order to deceive people and draw people into their deceptions. Now, <clears throat> I personally believe that this woman was shocked and surprised when Samuel came back. I mean, she expected to have a little conversation with her demon guide and her demon spirit, and from him to get the information that Saul was seeking. But to her amazement, this spirit actually came out of the earth, and she shrieked when she saw it. All of a sudden, she realized the truth. Oh, that's Saul! And Samuel began to speak to Saul, and God allowed this to happen. A special 
dispensation of God that surely isn't a criteria for us to seek to contact the spirits of those that have departed to be with the Lord. Now, Samuel came up out of the earth. Prior to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, everyone who died went into Sheol, which is in the lower parts of the earth or in the heart of the earth. And prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Sheol was divided into two separate compartments, as is taught by Jesus in Luke's Gospel, chapter 16. And there was one compartment where Abraham was encouraging and comforting those who died in faith, and there was another part where the sinners were being in a state of torment. And Jesus speaks about it very clearly and plainly in Luke's Gospel. And after the ascension of Jesus Christ or at the ascension of Jesus Christ, those who were being comforted by Abraham and in that part of Sheol were resurrected with Christ and went on into the heavenly scene. For Paul tells us in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, he who has ascended is the same one who first of all descended into the lower parts of the earth. And when he ascended, he led the captives from their captivity fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah 61 that declares he would loose the bonds and set at liberty those that were captives. So he set at liberty those who were being held captive by death. In Matthew 27, we read, and the graves of many of the saints were opened and they were seen walking through the streets of Jerusalem after his resurrection from the dead. So Samuel coming up out of the earth spoke to Saul, telling him that God had departed from him. What a horrible thing. But you see, what could you expect? I mean, he was a man who had departed first from God because you disobeyed the voice of God. God has departed from you. Because you have rejected God, God has rejected you. And tomorrow, you and your sons are going to be here with me. And Saul fell on the ground, and he was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. There was no strength left in him, for he had not eaten all that day nor that evening. And the woman came to Saul, and she said, and she saw that he was afraid and troubled. She said, Behold, your handmaid has obeyed your voice. I've put my life in my hand. I've hearkened unto your words which you spoke to me. Now I pray you, hearken also unto the voice of your handmaid, and let me set a morsel of bread before you, that you may eat and have strength, that you may go your way. But he refused, and he said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, pressed upon him until he ate. And so the woman fixed dinner for him. Verse 20 through 25. <laughs> What a story we just had here. Father, that we would be people that pray to you, the God of the universe, Jehovah, in the name of Jesus. Lord, let us be people like that. And Father, let us be aware of 
the spirit world that is around us. Father, we may not be able to see it, but we ought to be discerners of it. Because there are spirits, angelic and demonic, that are around us at all times. And Father, let those that are angelic protect us. And Lord, may you rebuke those demonic forces that surround us. Lord God, we live in a progressively evil world. Lord, let us be salt and light for your glory, for your honor, for your majesty. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, for in him we find life. And in no other way can we find our life. Thank you. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said.